Youthscape podcast, a podcast for Christians who work with young people. Friends, you found us. We are the hosts of the Youthscape podcast. It's me, Rachel Gardner, sat next to my friend Martin Saunders, and we're ready to bring you yet another wonderful episode in this fabulous season, thinking about big conversations with young people. Martin, welcome. Thanks very much. Yeah. Do you know you haven't made fun of my mug yet? I was about to make fun of your mug until you whispered off air, I've got a good thing. So I just, uh, I've got a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you are sporting a mug that's been sat there most of the day yeah. with cold dregs of tea. World's best cockapoo dad. Friends, if you've been travelling with us any length of time, you'll know that Martin has two dogs. One very, very beloved. One slightly less beloved with a ridiculous name: Twivel, Rivel, Sizzle, Twizzler, Rizzler. Not quite sure what the name is, but I'm. I shall leave that hanging. I'm not going to fill it in. From looking at this mug. Has your cold, hard heart melted towards your youngest little... Absolutely not. So, uh, no, this was bought for me by, I think ironically, by Chris Curtis. Oh, who I see. also has a cockapoo and is appalled at my failure to bond with my dog. So this is horrible, isn't it? It's like a horrible... Horrible opening. Non-redemption story. Oh, you know, like everyone dog. likes a redemption story. Everyone wants me and Twizzle. It's Twizzle. Oh, Twizzle. Would you believe? I know that sounds like a joke. Uh, everyone wants me and Twizzle to, to bond, but it's it's just, we're not quite there yet. It's been she a long just, time. Yeah. She, the, tell you what's awful is she hates me. That's She's picked up. Oh, shame and blame I'm, her. Why don't you? It's a dog, Rachel. Okay, all right. Right? She, she basically, she, she has picked up that I was not massively fond and then now she hates me. So if I go to like, give her a cuddle or something, she just runs away. But is she mostly around you? Because I know that your wife, is, she's a teacher, she's working every hour God sends, your kids yeah. are busy. So is this poor dog like locked in? With you when you do your working from home stint. I am stay-at-home dog dad. Do we yes. need to intervene, I think? No, because I don't... I, I'm not cruel. No. I'm not... Absolutely. I'm not, let's just be very clear. Yes, be very clear. I have not hurt the animal in any you way. feed and pet this dog. I do feed. I toilet the animal. You know, I do all that should be expected. Worming. I've Grooming. All of that. All of that. But um, but she and I are just not. It's a frosty relationship. We've not bonded. So she tends to sit at one end of the room, and I sit the other, like t- like like an old couple yes. who've fallen out of love. Um, but she's she's but a baby, so it's my it's my issue to fix. So I'm wondering whether the next season of Youthscape podcast there might be a happy ending. But right now, the world's best cockapoo dad is just an ironic <laughs> reference. That wasn't my thing. That wasn't the thing I was going to start. What's with. your fun? Because today, on our in our big conversations season, we are looking at how to talk to young people about evangelism. And if you were to write a youth session, I have done that occasionally in my life. If you were to write a youth session, you might well open your session on evangelism with a little kind of game where you like talk to somebody about what you're evangelistic about. <gasps> and so I thought, you know, can we? We've talked about a lot of our different passions over the years on the Escape Podcast. Um, but I wondered, Rachel, you know, what would be the thing that you right now would be evangelistic about to uh, not, not Jesus, not Jesus, as well as Jesus to other people. Octogenarians, giddy octogenarians would be my topic of choice. Thank you on just a minute. So I'm talking about old ladies in the eighties and nineties. I've got a bit of a thing for the old ladies in the eighties and nineties on my housing estate. They are 
amazing. They're amazing. These are sassy women. Many of them remember working in the mills. Um, many of them have been through the most horrendous times in life. Many of them have buried spouses, sometimes children. They've seen life come and go. And they are just brilliant. So we planted this church plant, resourcing church plant for young people. And now I would say to any of you out there, if you want to be serious about doing church with young people, get some awesome giddy octogenarians who, wow. who are willing to just get alongside young people. So they, they keep me giggling all the time. I took a load of them to Blackpool the other day. It was completely hilarious because mm. all those shops that I told you about that sell rock and other stuff, they were just crazy. They went, they went into the mall. They were singing their songs really loudly. They were a nightmare. I had to get them back on the minibus and tell them all off. But I love them. So old ladies in Blackburn are my thing at the moment. Wow. Yeah. That's great. They, and they have crazy outfits they wear. And I love it. Do they wear lime green trench coats? Well, if they had it, they would wear it. They want to nick mine. Why don't you give them yours? I will give them mine. <laughs> um, and they are brilliant with our teenagers. I think that's probably why I love them the most. Oh. Because they don't, they, they are of a generation that have seen a lot come and go. They're not put off by challenging behavior. They just love these young people. Genuinely. It's yeah. not like... Old people being patronising. They, um, yeah, so that's what I'm... And br- my other thing is bright colours and good coffee. How exciting. So things that are evangelistic about. It's a good point though, isn't it? Because when you are passionate about something, even if it's... Even if you know it puts you on the nerdier side of nerd or no one else shares your passion or it's slightly unhinged, mm. th- there's a compulsion in you, isn't there? You're like, well, yeah. the, I, this is just my thing. So I'm just going to tell you my thing and, and that's all good. And whether we would get up on platforms and talk about the thing that makes us really weird I don't know, but you know, we don't have to ever encourage somebody to share what they're passionate about. And it is the age old question. Why do we need relentlessly endless books on evangelism and conferences and evangelism? I think that is a big question I have over this, this present age. I, yeah. Well, before we go any further in this session, just pause this podcast, turn to the person next to you and share what's the thing that you're evangelistic about. (laughs) And we'll wait. We'll hold this now. We'll just hold a little silence. I really like good coffee as well, Marty. You do. And you love eggnog, which is a weird that's thing, isn't it? That's come up a few times, hasn't it? Anyway, that's given them long enough to chat. Yes. But it is an interesting question. What, what is it? We're going to talk about young people, but let's yeah. face it. It's not just young people that have an issue with evangelism. No. And chatting about faith. And, and why do we struggle so much to, to sometimes just to own the fact that we are Christians, let alone try and share any sense of the story of, of yeah. belonging to Christ. Why do we struggle Well, so I guess there are parallels, aren't there? I mean, it's a fear ultimately that the person receiving the information will not receive it very well. Yeah. So it's a fear that will be judged. It's a fear that will be, we might talk about this later on, cancelled. Mm-hmm. It's a fear that um, we'll look stupid, we'll yeah. get it wrong. We yeah. won't give good account of the thing that we're trying to be evangelistic about. That's easy if you're evangelistic about something like football. But many, yes. many people kind of just expect everyone or films or something like that. The more niche you go, mm. the more your the greater your risk of embarrassment. So as we've discussed on this podcast before, I was a teenage Doctor Who fan. That didn't go down well when I shared it, particularly with girls. And uh, <laughs> and even now, it does make me look a bit silly. When you share um, girls. And so that's right. <laughs> um, so uh, so I think it depends. Yeah. And, and with and I think with faith, it's in that bracket of like, oh gosh, will people judge me? Especially when you're a young person. Yeah. Like what will people think of me if I tell them I'm a Christian? Yeah. And that's that's why we find it a bit difficult. 
So each week, our team, we go onto the street of Blackburns. Well, well of Blackburns? There's the only street one. of Blackburns. The street of and we, um, we talk with students. We accost and we don't. We just chat with them. And I, I think increasingly I'm finding that it is a different vibe going on. That whereas 10, five years ago, 10 years ago, and maybe because I was based in London, much more hostility. Or you'd have to be really clever about just have, picking up conversations with young people about faith and opening up that space and being a bit more upfront about it. I find that in Blackburn, simply saying to groups of young people who just sat around just in their lunch break, saying... Oh, we're just here, you know, just having some chats about issues of faith and life. And we're Christians, so we're very much up front. There's no hidden agenda. We find that, that young people are massively God-positive agnostics mm. as opposed to kind of hardened atheists mm. and genuinely very interested to just have a chat. I mean, I, I wouldn't say any of these chats go anywhere in inverted commas yet, but it's interesting to see that all those fears of how we'll be treated very rarely mm. becomes anything more. And I don't know if that's just our little tiny snippet of life or whether there's something wider going on in culture that actually those conversations are slightly easier now. I don't know. Well, we've got we need two, some research. We've got done, two friends. We? Have they done some research? Uh, who've done a bit of research. And so we're going to invite them to join us now. Come in, um, come in, friends. Come in through the door. Um, <laughs> who are going to share... Uh, a little bit of research that's been done that you're going to be able to then access and read at your leisure. Uh, so this is our conversation with Dr. Lucy Shuka and Dan Randall. So we've got two guests today, which is unusual for us, and it's mixed media. So we've got uh, we've got Dr. Lucy Shuka in the studio, and then studio, and then uh, via the internet in front of a really credible bookshelf. An incredible ba- yeah. backdrop, isn't it? Yeah. There's extra books. He's got all the books, and then he's got books lying on top of the books. Uh, <laughs> the, the Reverend Doctor. Dan Randall. Yes, from Burnley, my neck of the woods. Oh. Welcome, Dan. Welcome, Lucy. I want to get stuck into some research. Yes. I, I feel that research increasingly is becoming one of those things that the youth ministry community are like, give me some good research. We've definitely like embraced research over the last, it's been a thing, it's hasn't Lucy's it? It's Lucy's fault. Well, I think, Lucy, you're going to take yeah. some credit here. You must take some over credit. Over the last I'm five or six years. by this. Like, research has become a thing in youth ministry. This is the problem, though. If you feed a little bit, then the appetite grows. You've got more. to do more research, and then people get hungry. You've just got to keep <laughs> feeding them. Well, we've got some good stuff for them. So, so buckle up, guys. So, Dan, um, why this particular piece of research? Why did you want to, because you were part of kicking this off. So what, what did you hope to discover or what was it that, that led to doing this piece of research? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Just before I answer that, though, I think just to honour Lucy, she's like the queen of research. And I think she <laughs> She is making people addicted to research, which is good. Yeah. Even people that don't fully get it like me. Um, yeah, so we began, I, I realised at the start of the pandemic, you know, over two years ago in March 2020, we couldn't get in schools, well, most schools workers couldn't get in schools to reach young people. There was a few who still could. Um, we weren't allowed out on the streets to reach young people. Most youth groups, social media was okay at best, let's be honest. Um, and so, this piece of research is all framed around how we equip young people to share their faith. And 
And that's always been something that's been there, but all of a sudden that became top of the pile of how we reach young people is fire young people. And something that I've been passionate about for a long time. And so I guess I saw the opportunity or saw a prophetic moment, depends how you want to look at it, of how do we then harness this moment to help the youth leader, help the church leader, help the organization leader to see this as the greatest opportunity um, to equip young people to share their faith where they are. Because young people have more influence on social media. Yes, they were out on the streets, not trying to give them a bad rep, but they were because they couldn't stay cooped up or it wasn't safe to stay inside. And they were still in school. As high percentage of young people were still at school. Um, and so how do how do we best do that? And recognising this is a great opportunity to do just that. We began a conversation with lots of leaders. How do, how do we do something about it? Is this a real need? Is this what we want to get get together and do something about? And then we said, well, we really need to know what's going on. We've got lots of anecdotal comment story, which is all great and encouraging, and some of it not so encouraging. But what is actually going on? Is there a boldness of young people wanting to share their faith? You know, how are young people sharing their faith, and how do we best equip them to do so? So Lucy, you took up the challenge with Dan and others to do this bit of research. How did you go about finding out the answers? What, give us the methodology behind it. I've learned that word from you. It's a big word. <laughs> Ding! You said it just right. <laughs> um, we did three things. So the first thing we did was we tried to find teenage Christians who hadn't grown up in church uh, because we want it, because there's a bit of an assumption there that if it wasn't your family that's the primary influence and you've you've come to faith, then it was probably it was probably a friend, and that would give us an insight into how peer evangelism works in depth. Um, there's a story to be told there, which is that we really couldn't find many, um, and so actually we we ended up doing this kind of week long long conversation online with about sixteen young people, only five of whom actually grew up. <laughs> in non-Christian homes. But what we did learn from that is just some of the, some of what it's really like for young people in terms of the barriers for them, what they feel open about, what they are scared about when it comes to talking about faith. And from that very rich conversation, we then designed a survey um, and that went out to well, actually, it was started being completed by about 3,000 young people. And then, and then we whistled it down to about 900 who said they were Christians. And then when we said, do you do any of these things once a month? And they had to only do two. And then we classed them an active Christian. And then those are the ones we did a survey with. So 480 active Christians. Um, and then the last piece of it was uh, a survey of youth workers. And we had 255 of them. So we, we actually built up a, quite a good picture from three different sources of, of peer evangelism amongst young people. What's the, uh, what's, the, what's the title of this piece of research, by the way? We haven't said that. Okay. Well, it's influencers. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was Dan's idea. It's a great title. Um, <laughs> we, just, we just thought, was peer-to-peer -peer the most catchy thing on planet Earth? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but uh, yeah, so influencers. And, you know, obviously it's riffing on the idea that young people are influenced in a range of ways, primarily like by people they follow online and social media, but also that they themselves are, you know, are, are influencing each other. And, and as you become a teenager, actually it's the peer group that in some ways overtakes the family in terms of a site of primary influence. I was chatting to someone the other day who said, shouldn't there be a question mark at the end of the report? Like, are they actually influencing people or not? And I said, oh, you have to read it and find out. Ah. But but I think it all is embedded within the belief that, yes, we do think, even though you don't 
often see the fruits of the ways that you behave in peer groups, you really do have an impact. Mm. And young people do have influence. And in so many spaces, they're quite disempowered. So to empower them to say the way you are with your mates makes a difference. I think it's really important. So I'm going to take that imaginary um, question mark off. Fantastic. No, it is influences. So what did you find? I mean, that's, I think, the big question we want to ask. What, what did you find in this research? Dan, go for it. Tell us what surprised you. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most was how low down young people's, I guess, I don't know if the word confidence is correct, Lucy can correct me, but I guess how low down in the rankings they listed inviting their friends to like a great youth group event. Like, I think we would all probably make the assumption uh, young people probably aren't that confident to invite their friends on a Sunday morning to church or the church experience because maybe like they think it's too traditional or what, whatever it might be, whatever young people's hangups on it are. But actually, like, what about a great youth event that's invitational? It was actually lower down than things like sharing their faith online, sharing their faith face-to-face with their friends. And so that really, it surprised me because I thought they've got more confidence in themselves wow. communicating yeah. something about faith or sharing trusted content from someone else on their own social media than maybe they did in their youth leader. So we can either take that as a bit of a kick in the whatever as youth leaders, or we can take it as well as a generation who, who want to own this more, who maybe want to shape this more and who want to carry it. That's the beauty of research is it gives us a hopefully a bit of a snapshot, a bit of a picture of how things are now. And so it's interesting you were that use that word generation there because I think there is a generational difference that you're describing there because some of our assumptions are not based in nothing. Like traditionally, youth, young people, it seems, and we don't have research for this, were more confident bringing you know, their friends to something that an adult leader um, you know, leads. But actually what you're describing chimes with what we know about this generation, that they love to create and curate, point people to other staff to um, uh, c- collaborate with each other and, and share content rather than necessarily going to trusted institutions and voices. So that chimes. And, and therefore, we need to know what's going on with this group of young people right now. Yeah, I I agree, Dan. I thought that was really surprising because, I mean, one of the assumptions that I brought into this research was that there would be um, a lot of nervousness from young people and a lot of resistance to the idea of sharing faith. I think because some of the widest stuff we've done at at the Youthscape Centre for Research has found, um, I I suppose, a, a respect for other people's beliefs to the point where you might own your own, but you certainly think you would be very hesitant to think that means anything for you. And I'm not sure we completely have found that that, that that's not the case. Uh, but I think we have found more openness to talking about or owning your own faith than I might I might have assumed. So when we asked about how, first we asked, do you think you've ever influenced friends or non-Christian peers to explore Christianity? And 90% said yes in some way, it's only 10% that were like, no, not at all. Now that broke down to a kind of 60% said yes, but 49% of that was like, mm, a little bit. Yeah. And 11% was a lot. And then the other 40% was um, made up of 30% that were like, no, not really at all. 
not, I don't think so. And 10%, like not at all. Mm. So it's a mixed picture. But then when you ask those who, if you exclude the 10% who said they hadn't, they didn't think they'd influence peers at all and said, what, how do you think you influenced? We gave them a range of different options. That, I mean, they're all kind of verbs, basically, like telling, showing, inviting, introducing, helping. Mm. And you could see those as, as just different ways that you, you could in some way make a, make a reach out. And talking, telling someone about faith was at the top. Mm. And I don't know why, but I, was, I think I was surprised by that. I assumed that showing might be at the top or inviting because mm. it might be easier to set, to do that kind of, you know, the often misused Francis of Assisi quote. Yes. It's like, yeah. I'll just I'll just show you in my actions, but I'll never need to actually tell you I'm a Christian or why I believe or why I went to church. But 71% said they told people about their faith, followed by 41% saying they showed friends what it is to be a Christian mm. and 35% inviting. Mm. So double the number said they talked about it than invited. So what we also found was youth leaders are much more likely to emphasize inviting as a form of evangelism. So we asked this in a range of different ways. Um, How do your churches encourage young people to evangelize? Those who are active disciples, how do you see them doing it? What would you do to encourage young people to evangelize? And the the top answers in all of those were invite, invite, invite. Mm. And yet when we ask young people, they say, I will talk, I will talk about it. So I think that's fascinating. And if I was a youth leader, I'd want, I would want to talk to my young people and find out if yeah. that was true for them. Well, Dan, as well as being director of Hope Youth, you are a youth worker. Um, you've been a youth worker for a while in Burnley. So so what do you make of this now with, with your research hat taken off? But what does this say to you about what young people mean when they say they talk about their faith? Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, I think th- this research has really showed me, and I think I think us to be, yeah, I think not to speak on behalf of the whole team, but I think it tells us mo- even more about the communities that we work in and the young people, like all the young people we work with in an area, you know, so the thousands of young people in a town or whatever it might be, you know, uh, one of the th- things I, be- I, be- I was reading when we began this fresh journey looking at peer-to-peer was the book called The Nurture Assumption by Judith Harris. And she's associated with um, war, the fact that it was basically, you know, child to adult was the transition and understanding this, this kind of in-between and how they had influence on each other. And I think that what this research shows is, and particularly what Lucy's pointing out around the telling thing isn't that isn't just for you, you, Christian young people. I think it's for any young person because that that book shows us some of that and some of the um, some of what sociologists are seeing as well is that in a post-truth society, as we would reference as Christians, or probably what society would view it more as, is your own truth society. That actually people are more boldly. Um, able or feel more confident to share their truth with others, to share what they believe with others, full stop, because there's more of a culture of respect. There's more a culture of actually understanding each other. And so I think that really helps me from a local context because then that helps young people know that actually they're in mutual respect, connections, relationship in their school, but also encouraging and empowering them to know actually people want to hear what you believe even more than just you showing it through being kind or listening that actually people are more and more interested in what you believe and what god said you know is god good some of those bigger questions that have been looked at another piece of research lucy's been involved with and so i think that's incredibly powerful but that's also in attention with again something nationally but then something i'm seeing locally is cancel culture and 
um, I don't know if you want to come back to this later, but I guess the idea of that young people are putting their necks on the line by saying that I'm a Christian now, like, because there's lots of more assumptions, a lot more thought out there of what Christians believe. We're in a space of a de-churched generation, sorry, an unchurched generation with a de-churched generation previous to them who actually um, their opinion of Christians is being formed through maybe certain press around certain issues about what a certain church believes about this or what a certain church doesn't believe about this. And therefore that's cast onto the young people that they're friends with and therefore how willing they are to listen to them that God is good or God is love. And yeah. And how much of a, how much of a barrier do you think that is when it comes to um, evan- well, evangelism? Yeah. That this idea that I, I, if I, if I actually do this thing you're asking me to do, youth leader, if this fundamental element of my discipleship that you're telling me is sharing my faith, if I do that, I will end up an outcast. I will end up socially losing way more than previous generations. What does that, what does that do to young people? And, and what do we need to do as, as leaders to help young people navigate that? I think Lucy might have more thoughts, but the simple picture that comes to my mind is of the old school stocks in the village. That's what's happening to young people who get cancelled. And I'm not just talking about Christian people getting cancelled. Mm. I'm just talking about anybody getting cancelled. It's kind of that. That is the only, that is the picture that comes to mind that a friend shared with me. And so it's so true that actually that is what's happening. It's not just a, um, I might unfollow you for a bit, but the unfollow comes with so much more now. Mm. Um, and it's not just about social media living, but also I, I, I've stopped trying to describe how social media and reality are so blurred for a young person now because I can't even fully understand it myself because they're so separate for me. Mm. But actually, these are so interwoven, so blurred that that is just spilling over into every aspect. And so how long they're in the stocks for having whatever thrown at them it you know it's it's a dread it's a it's a huge fear i think i think that question is really important and that is one that i i think every youth worker should be having with their youth group is right here here is the trap as it currently exists mm-hmm. <laughs> um so 70% of young people we surveyed agreed or strongly agreed that they should i'm going to get the wording right because i think this is really interesting that they should try to encourage others to become christians i thought that was fascinating because that flies in the face of the assumption that we um you know the cultural assumption that it's actually it's oppressive it's it's oppressive to somebody else's belief system that we should have any belief about how they should live or what they should believe so the fact that 70 percent agreed that i thought was very interesting there's a question about whether or not that's because they think that's what the youth leaders and the church leaders and the parents think so i should do that i don't but i may not want to um but but that that trap that they exist in is if I do that, then I may be outcast. The the beauty, of course, of what we might be asking them to share is that nobody gets cancelled. Oh, mm-hmm. nobody ultimately gets cancelled. That the system that would outcast would make them an outcast is destroyed by the faith that they own. Wow. Now, you ask asking them to put put that truth on their shoulders mm-hmm. in a school in which it's not just faith you'll get cancelled for you wear the wrong thing or yeah. you, you 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 pass a piece of gossip on when you were meant to hold it to yourself and you didn't know or you used the wrong word in year seven and it lasts until year 10 so they either collude with that system and life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more judgmental 
or the or they find for themselves the faith in which there is space for everybody to fail and to recover from that. So when we're talking about sharing faith, it's sort of like, what are we talking about as well? We're not talking about here's the tract and the three things you've got to say and just can you like say it to someone and then run away again. We're asking them to have a real knowledge of a love that would be of real benefit to the people that they actually care about. That throws up a question for me. I'd like to, I think I'd like to give this to Dan. Um, uh, you know, I think we've, another like perceived wisdom in youth ministry is that the best evangelists are new converts, right? And actually it's sort of, it's not about waiting and waiting and learning and learning and then sharing your faith. It's about getting out there and sharing your faith. Um, it's like an in inherent part of discipleship. You grow through it. But actually what you're suggesting there, I think, is that we need to kind of train our evangelists properly before we send them out. So before you release a young person to go and share faith with their friends, actually the responsible approach might be you need to do some discipleship and some training first. What do you, which side of that do you sit, Dan? Um, I guess there's that, there's that simple thing of you can't stop someone going and just getting excited because they've found Jesus. And so there's that element of, you found Jesus, let's not suppress you telling the world about that or your world or whatever that looks like. But we also know stories of lots of young people, the first person they tell, they get shot down and it's like someone's popped their balloon. So it's almost like we need to be there to, it's it's a pastoral thing, I think, as much as a an encouragement. But the whole, and I don't know if this answers the question, so I don't want to be a politician about it, but so tell me if it doesn't. But I think for me, something that me and you have talked about for years, Martin, is, is I guess, the separation of discipleship and evangelism. So how do we bring these two together? We believe that this piece of research is one piece of the puzzle to do that. It, it They become more and more overlapping circles of Venn diagram. I'm doing something with my hands that no one can see. <laughs> it's really beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and that we, you know, evangelism actually great evangelism flows from great discipleship like as we disciple young people they, sh they hopefully should be more confident more courageous in sharing their faith but just as we reach out to young people we don't just want decisions in moments and just hands up at events those moments are great but we want to take people on a journey and for too long these things have been too separate it's like we're discipling young people to do this and do that and and the outcome's never really been evangelism to an extent for some people it has, but not for a lot. And these conversations have been very separate and we really want to blur these things so that actually it's not just about seeing people come to Jesus and then going straight out again, but how do we journey with them on a, on a further basis with discipleship? So I don't know if that answers the question. No, I love it. I think that's great, Dan, because I, I, um, I, the hairs in the back of my neck always stand up when I hear about and relentlessly more evangelism conferences. I just think, oh, good grief. Like, really, do we need more? We just need to kind of rethink really what it is, Lucy, like, like Lucy was saying, what is it that we're sharing? What is this story? This sense of our, our transformed lives. Coming back to that idea, though, of, of young people who you struggle to find young people or, or the team, it was a group that you asked to go and find young people. So you deliberately didn't use a classic youth Christian youth roots you deliberately sort of went a bit neutral to try to find these young people that became Christians not through Christian families but I, I think that's really interesting that idea about our kind of learned behavior around a young person that becomes they join the community of faith they become a Christian age 13 being the great evangelist but I guess 
I'd love to dig into that a bit because in a way at a time when a young person growing up in a church is feeling can I be part of this Christian community I've always known but also operate and find my identity a young person that's maybe just joined the youth group fresh or they've just met a school worker in school and they've come to something are blown away by this community of all ages that the likes of which they've never seen anywhere else so often what they're quite evangelistic about is this incredible group that I feel I belong to and they're really evangelistic about that and the kid that's grown up in the church is like oh man I can't bear being around these people they're stifling me was there any sense in your research that that those sort of nuances when young people talk about what they're evangelistic about is it the person of Jesus is it this community that are just living radically different Jesus-centered lives I guess that might be another bit of research mightn't it but Lucy what did you find the only place we sort of got that nuance was with these 16 young people who we had for a week. And I, we, there was just real diversity there. So I'm thinking of one young man who had absolutely no Christian peers and hadn't really even found a church, but he absolutely, he read scripture and he loves Jesus and he's just out on his own a little bit. Um, so you have him and then you have another young woman I'm thinking of who, who said, she was spiritually really seeking, but she and she watched all her friends really carefully. And it was the Christians, their attitudes to life and the peace that they had that she just observed over time. And was, she took a very rational approach and she was like, that, that's the place to start, clearly, because I can see the evidence there. And then others who were incredibly enthusiastic about the what they had, the, the depth of friendship they had found. And so on this, I found this really interesting from the qualitative research was that the peer groups that we heard about there were really high levels of spiritual support like compared to my youth group experience growing up, which was largely social. It was yes. like we had a really nice time together. I really liked the friends and there was good stuff there. But these young people were praying together regularly and they talked about the qual- the reason that they were so enthusiastic about faith was because they'd found this level of community and support wow. and prayer that um, was really meaningful to them. But that was a combination of those who are new to the church and those who'd grown up in it. And so I don't think there are any simple, and actually in some ways that's really nice as well, because there's always a risk with these kinds of bits of research that we tell a simple story. And Mm. the truth is there are young people out there who are natural evangelists, and there will always be those who are utterly terrified. And any simplistic thing that says they're all like this or all like that um, is never going to describe the reality anyway and all those that are watching chosen right now and uh yeah, yeah just loving it i know finding jesus for the first time absolutely extraordinary things that we can't plan for so um dan what would you love to see as a result of this research i mean we're hearing what lucy's saying like let's not paint two broader brush strokes that kind of miss individual young people out but but the act i mean you and me we're activists aren't we 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 just love this stuff what would you love to see a local youth worker listening to this stuff what what could they grab from this to encourage them in how they disciple young people i think i think there's so much to it and i think the first thing i'd want to receive is encouragement you know when when people read the report and see that there there are some things that we were preparing ourselves that this is a ne- this is probably going to be a negative outcome. Some of these questions, um, but actually, we were really surprised, particularly um, what the stats Lucy was mentioned before, and and, and one being that fifty percent of of the young people agreed or strongly agreed that their non Christian friends are happy to hear about their faith. Well, I just yeah. didn't think they would even have that view on it. Yeah, um, and so I think the first thing is to take encouragement and go. Actually, young people are up are up for sharing something if they believe in it. 
Yeah. And so then I think it's more about when you think about the internal or what you do in your gathered spaces is going, well, how do we help them grapple with their faith better? How do we help them own their faith better? How do we help them have encounters with Jesus and everything in between? So that actually, because they're already pretty positive about sharing this, they have something more to share. That's great. Rather than just a place to protect them. And then on the kind of, I guess, outward looking is that actually just giving it, I don't think people need a push. They need a nudge, <laughs> you know, and we shouldn't push some people to do anything. But I think sometimes, you know, you know, people need that extra bit of encouragement or, like, you know, that belief that they can do something in, you know, in the church or out of the church. And that actually that just to give that a little nudge to go, you've got this, like you're sharing truth with your friends you know, and you believe this is the truth, you know, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life in a own your own truth society. So how can you, how can we just help embolden them and then pray for them? I mm. think this wants me just, this makes me just want to pray for young people more. That's one of the big things it's just activating in me because I think that they're, they're already up for it and they're already doing it more than we thought they were. <laughs> and if you want something sort of just practical from that as well in terms of like well, where do you where do you start um there's a, a page in the report where we, where we asked would any of these help you to share your faith with those who aren't christians and gave them a range of options and um training on evangelism and communication there were 22 percent chose that none of them were massively high actually but being able to talk to others about sharing faith was 40 percent, and that was the highest one so if you don't feel like you know how to equip or train, I think that's okay that this research suggests that young people really would just value um, being a, have, <laughs> yeah. just chat about sharing faith. And the second was hearing about other people's experiences. So wow, just honest yeah. chats and stories about when did that go well? When did that go badly? Why do you think that was? Like, how do you feel about this thing? Um, and that's relatively easy to do. You could do that this week. And I think that is the challenge for us as youth workers. Because if young people want to chat about this, then we need to have stories of how we're having a go at it. Yes, good. You know, our fails, our successes, everything in between, the ones that we just don't have a clue about, but we shared some and we hoped it went all right. Um, that actually we need to be leading the way in this. And that's probably where it really begins. So we're talking in this season of the Escape podcast about the big conversations that we need to have with young people. And, and this episode is about talking about evangelism so i guess does this how does this research embolden you both as we as we finish uh to get youth workers kind of talking about this uh in their youth groups you know what are the big conversations maybe the research says we should or could be having with young people i would i would start with youth workers because one of the interesting things we found was that youth workers perceived many more barriers for young people when it came to evangelism than young people themselves almost double the percentage you know they thought young people were less confident than young people were they thought they were worried about difficult questions more than young people were and so one of the big conversations i would have is with yourself <laughs> to start with and be like what was what was my what, what what is my actual kind of feeling experience attitude when it comes to this thing for young people? And is it actually theirs or is it mine that I've projected onto them? Um, and so having that honest conversation with yourself would be a good start. And then I think just, you know, you could maybe the big sort of controversial conversation is like, is evangelism a dirty word? Like, what? how do we actually feel about whether this is positive and in what ways is it and isn't it? I think any piece of research that 
is helpful. It's helping people to see the, the opportunities and threats of, of what is out there. And I think if people can really see the opportunity that is there, if we, you know, particularly for youth leaders, don't just default back to doing the forms of evangelism that we were doing before and the forms of discipleship, you know, when we talk about blurring these two things, that actually and go, well, how does my discipleship of young people help embolden them and fill them with courage to share their faith and equip them really practically in how to do that? And how does the kind of evangelism that I'm doing um is that part of how I'm discipling people? So it's not just I go out and do the evangelism of how youth work and I've got time to do that, or someone goes out and does it, but how how is the time more spent equipping the young people to do the evangelism, which is part of a discipleship journey anyway? So that would be amazing if that happened. So the uh, research is called Influencers. Uh, it's out now. How do we get hold of the research? How do we get the good stuff? You could, you could go to many websites because there's a partnership of about eight different organisations. So it'll be all on all our websites. You can come to the to youthscape.co.uk forward slash research forward slash influencers and you can probably get it from Hope Together, Dan. Yeah, hopetogether.org.uk and then click on Youth, click on Influencers peer-to-peer and it's there. And uh, there's the PDF to download and there's also you can re-watch the launch. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much thank for you. giving me your time today. something rach i have had a little exciting experience recently in the youth ministry that i um helped to lead um around seeing some of this peer evangelism thing happen very naturally fantastic and i have to say here's the awful thing it's taken me by surprise so i i've almost started to rub my eyes with disbelief as another young person appears each week. And wow. so there's this this one specific age group and actually this one specific peer group of boys, which makes our, our, our youth group very unusual, actually, because we've got all these year 10 boys. And we, we had a sort of critical mass, I think, of sort of four or five. And then at some point, a sixth joined, a seventh, and then an eighth, and then an, and it just, it's kept going. Um, and so we're like probably about 11 of them now in this one group. And oh it's my goodness. disproportionately Amazing. much larger than any other age group yeah. uh, in our or peer group within our youth ministry. Um, but it's been amazing. And it's all, it's just this kind of, I don't know if it's this one kid who's really good at inviting yeah. and, and at making faith normal. Yeah. Um, it's an incredible, it's actually, when I analyze it, it's an incredibly old fashioned idea. The, the young life idea of the key kid. Do you remember that yes. idea? Yes. Well, Nike Back from the, used it with trainers, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. The idea that you get the key kid, you get the cheerleader, you get the, yep. the quarterback and you'll get everyone else. Well, we have, ex- we've kind of experienced that of just a, a young guy who is, is, um, who wears his faith on his sleeve, but is really normal and really likable. And he just keeps bringing more people. And it's been really incredible to see, but I feel a bit bad that I feel so surprised about it. Like, of course, this is what should should happen. Why should I? And I feel slightly grumpy, you know, if I'm really honest. It was absolutely nothing to do with me. That <laughs> wasn't your amazing assembly. I didn't put anything good on. In fact, this has been like the weakest kind of term of youth programming we've ever run. And uh, and they just keep bringing more kids. Love it. Yeah, I, I don't. Love it. I, don't. <laughs> I want them to come for me. You can't qualify. I'm joking. Are the obviously. girls coming? Because you've got lots of year 10 uh, boys. Is it I think the pattern? few girls that do come have been delighted. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is interesting though, isn't it? When you have these strategies and bits of research. And, and as Lucy rightly said, what often research tells us is that there isn't a simple one size fits all. It, it, we, we can't reduce these. We can't, yeah, to, to very simple mm, answers. Mm. And it is, it, it will always be complex because human nature is complex. But I think as, as leaders who want to unleash young people into the absolute vibrance of, of living their whole lives with God at the centre, there we go, we should do a youth festival about that. Um, I think it's really exciting to think that, of course, even with all our best laid plans and schemes, God will always do something much more interesting and radical and fun. Fun. Mm, mm. And there'll be a sense in which there's our little cookie cutter of what we feel we're doing in the middle of it, but all this wonderful dough around the edge that's going crazy. Like that's that, I'm excited about that too. That is really exciting too. So how can we be leaders that 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 curate well the spaces that God's invited us to lead in, but also we lead in such a way there's maximum space for young people to just be unleashed and be themselves in sharing Jesus and talking Jesus. And yeah, that's great. And if and if you're someone that listens to bits of research and says, well, that doesn't really chime with what I'm seeing here, that's fine too. Because remember, this is this is 900, 600, 400 young people it's not every young person so when you hear research that doesn't chime with you take it on board listen to it but don't don't worry because i think it's exciting that sometimes we're working with groups that don't fit those other norms and patterns so ask yourself questions about what does it look like in your setting that young people are talking about jesus and youth work research it's meant to be a conversation yeah so if you feel like this is not my experience at all Get in touch. Yeah. Like I know that Lucy and the team here would love to oh, hear they'd love from you. That. Yeah. So so do engage with us through social media. You can email us uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk and we'll make sure it gets to the right person. Um, but we do encourage you to engage with the plethora of research that's been produced over the last few years. And it has been amazing to see yes. youth ministry really embrace research. Yes. Lots of other research is available, but you can get quite a lot from Youthscape, the Youthscape Centre for Research, which is directed by Lucy. Um, we may not have even said that, you know. Oh, we may not have even mentioned she's the director of the Centre for oh, Research. Anyway, um, she's an old friend, that's why. She's an old she friend is. of the show. Yeah. So uh, if you go to youthscape.co.uk forward slash research, you'll be able to find loads of that. And you can sign up for The Story, which is our little research bulletin, which is amazing and contains loads of really useful, practical research that you can kind of put to some use in your youth work straight away. So I really encourage you. There's a new edition of that out right about now, actually. So check that out, youthscape.co.uk forward slash research. No, I was so close. (laughs) Research. I was so close. Youthscape.co.uk forward slash research. Wonderful. Well, just as we end, did you hear our news? We're getting a dog. What? We are getting a little puppy. Are you? It's a rescue puppy from a house in Rygate. It's called Twizzle. (laughs) (laughs) No, we are getting a puppy, actually. We are. So my life is about to change radically. I'll tell you more about it another time. That's been... (laughs) A great edition of the Youthscape podcast. You can find about 250-odd yes! other episodes yes, online. You can also on. support us on Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Youthscape. And there's footage there of us trying to do an intervention between you and your dog. So it's worth getting onto that Patreon. May, that may just, not be true. There's no, there's no, nothing there. <laughs> nothing there currently, just for the love of the show. Friends, we love doing this podcast. So do check us out on Patreon and do get in touch about anything else you'd like us to talk about in this big conversation series. And we'll be back next week with some more exciting conversations. Rivel, rivel, sizzle, twizzler, rizzler.